Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today, I mean, you can probably see in the title, I assume you've clicked this podcast knowing what you're getting yourself into, Uh, but if you're coming into this one blind, hopefully you like NRL, because today it is time for the NRL Round 3 Preview. Uh, Now, thinking about any news, there's been a bit of news uh, around the game. Probably the biggest uh, unfortunate news was the 15-year-old fan uh, just racially abusing Latrell Mitchell last Thursday night. And yeah, that was fucking lame. Um, I could spend a whole podcast talking about that, but I won't. And yeah, there's a lot of different outlets talking about it. And yeah, it's fucking shit. It does kind of speak volumes about just in general, where we're at as a society in Australia, that a 15 year old kid can think that that's okay to say. Uh, So yeah, that was shite. Other than that, uh, not much news that I want to get to immediately. So let's keep this intro short and sharp and let's get into my main focus. That is all eight games coming up this weekend, round three of the NRL. So we've had two rounds now to really get a taste of where some of these sides are at. Some Queensland sides really surprising us, like the Broncos and the Dolphins. Uh, Tigers doing Tiger things, uh, just... How awful was that game on Sunday? I actually finished work, came home, saw a message in my inbox uh, from a group chat, and basically the line of messaging was, if you're not watching this game, don't. Don't, don't watch it. Now, I should have taken that advice. I tuned in about midway through the first half. What a shit show. So yeah, Tigers, very much doing Tiger things. Now, if you want my thoughts on round two, I've posted the performance highlights over on our Instagram at not just a sports report. Have the player of the round, the rising star nomination, tough stuff, the cause for concern, which is the Tigers. Now they probably got more cause for concerns than anyone else last year. I was hoping 2023 is a new year, uh, but it looks like the same old woeful Wests. So very unfortunate for Tigers fans. But the season is still young. Is that a positive thing? Maybe not, given how the Tigers have started their season. They couldn't have asked for much more of a gimme. Fucking two games back-to-back at Leichhardt Oval. First one against the Titans, who really struggled last year. They were one of the worst sides. Then against the Knights, who also really struggled. And they look set to struggle again this year. And still they beat the Tigers. So I don't know what's going on. Over at the West Tigers, they've got all these new signings, but look, we'll get to their game this weekend. And the Panthers, the back-to-back premiers, they have the bye in round three, coming off their monumental victory over their fierce rivals in the South Sydney Rabbitohs. But today, it's all about round three. It's a preview, and of course, I'll be giving my prediction at the end. Last week's predictions, a bit all over the place, to be honest. Traditionally, I do struggle Uh, with the round two fixtures. I don't know why that is. I think I just 
take a little bit too much stock from what I see in the first round of the competition, uh, but we're gonna reset, refocus, and let's try and get a perfect or as close to perfect week in round three. With that being said though, now there is nothing else to do but get into all eight games, so now let's get amongst it. Two long-time foes kick off the action on Thursday night at Four Pines Park in Sydney. We have the first placed Manly Seagulls coming off the bye in round two, uh, but of course absolutely shellacking the Bulldogs in round one. A victory that has aged like fine wine after how the Bulldogs looked in round two. Thursday night, 8pm, we've got the first placed Manly Seagulls against the 16th placed Parramatta Eels, second from bottom. Gee, I tell you what, they could have really used Ryan Matteson over the last couple of weekends. So the longer this drags on, the more the decision to take a fine from Matteson uh, really comes back to bite the club in the ass. So first versus 16th, and this is gonna be a very, very fiery game, I believe. You've got the Seagulls, who are going to look to stretch their record to two straight wins this season against the Eels, who are hoping to avoid going 0-3 to open their campaign. A campaign of great significance, given that the Eels fell just one game short of the Premiership last year. The runners-up in the 2022 season, now sitting second from bottom. Not the first time we've seen this from the Eels as well. Uh, I remember 2010 coming off a 2009 that will forever live in the memories of rugby league fans. Um, 2010, Eels came out and they were shite. And then they basically proceeded to totally crumble until Brad Arthur got to the club. He's fixed them up. He's got them back into a strong club, somewhat of a premiership contender. But now, in 2023, Eels, they're in danger, even though it's very early. Of missing the top eight. A loss here, that really starts to heap the pressure on. So massive game on Thursday night. Seagulls up against the Eels. Eels dropping their first two games uh, last weekend. They lost to the Sharks. And look, it was a closely contested game, but Will Kennedy, Braden Trindle, and a couple of others absolutely tore the Eels a new asshole. And now they sit here 0-2, second from bottom on the ladder, and the pressure is only going to intensify as the weeks go on. Now, talking points, I think that's the biggest one in terms of the Eels. The fact that they are 0-2. Yes, they're missing some strike. No Madison, no Sean Lane. They've let Reid Marnie go to the Bulldogs. And I think the biggest talking point for Eels at the moment, it's been the use of their bench. Now, some guys on the bench aren't even getting played. If they are, they're playing very little minutes. Brad Arthur opting to play uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Barlow for long minutes too, which, like he said, he, they need them, but it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me, especially given that Junior Paolo, the amount of football he played last year, and then you throw in the International World Cup as well. Junior Paolo, he played all the way through the NRL season. He played Origin. Then he makes it all the way to the Grand Final. Uh, after that, all the way to the World Cup final. And yeah, they're playing big minutes. So 
The use of the Eels bench, they've got uh, Jira Momoisia, Jack Murchie, Wurumu Grieg, and Makahesi Makatoa. So a 4 forward bench, and they're not really using everyone on the bench. So I don't know exactly what's going on there. Now, the other major talking point for the Eels has been the form of Jermaine Hopgood, one of the standouts over the early rounds. And it's similar, same, same, but different to when they brought Isaiah Papali'i over and Papali'i just killed it. And I think that season, uh, Papali'i was probably the signing of the year, especially in terms of bargain signings. And Jermaine Hopgood, it looks like this could be another case of that, like a really unheralded signing that's that has potential to change the fortunes of this club. So much so that I think when Ryan Matteson gets back, I think he should slot into the right edge back row position. Uh, now, going into the season with the loss of Isaiah Papali'i, there was a lot of talk. Does Momosia, Jack Murchie, Matt Dory, uh, who takes that right edge back row position? Now, Matt Dory has essentially won the race over the first couple of rounds, uh, but I think Jermaine Hopgood has played so well that basically now that 13 jersey is his to lose. So once Madison gets back, I think we will see him slot into the back row. Now for talking points for the Seagulls, they're coming off the bye, so not a ton of people talking about the Seagulls at the moment, but just quietly, they're sitting atop the ladder. So a win here, it's a really good start to the season, especially when you consider uh, in a handful of recent seasons, Seagulls have had some really poor starts, including the year where Tom Trebojevic won the Dalian medal. So if they can have a hot start, uh, the sky is the limit for the Manly Seagulls. Now, the other talking point is that we're seeing Josh Schuster slot into that 5'8 role. Uh, now, for quite a while, he's been touted as a long-term option in the halves, had to bide his time in the back row whilst Karen Foran returned to the club. But now, Josh Schuster... Full-time 5'8", and this weekend we get our first taste of the big man in the number 6 jersey. So that's probably the biggest talking point. Uh, just checking out the teams, I don't believe there are any changes looking at the bench. Doesn't seem like any notable changes. Uh, Sean Kepi, I'm fairly sure he started at lock forward in round 1. Uh, he's now on the bench and Josh Alloyer uh, shifts into the lock forward position. Other than that, they're pretty much unchanged from the side that dominated the Bulldogs. And yeah, Schuster into the 5'8 jersey. That will see Cooper Johns shift to the extended reserves. For the Eels, they look pretty much the same. 1-17. to um, They've got their bench that they don't really use either. So it's a big test. It's pretty much the same team that's lost the first two games. Now they really require all these players to stand up unless they want to start 0-3. And, and that, it's a slippery slope. It's not the be-all and end-all. There's nothing to suggest that Parramatta can't still play finals this year. Uh, but if you go 0-3, it's, it's not ideal. Put it that way, it's far from ideal. Now, as far as coaches, Anthony Seabold at the Manly Seagulls, so far, very early days, so far it's a pass mark. It's definitely not the same Anthony Seabold vibe that we saw at the Broncos. Closer to what we were seeing at the Rabbitohs. Now, it's still a lot of footy to be played, uh, but the Seabold era off to a good start at Manly. 
whilst Brad Arthur for the Eels. He's just re-signed, so he's going to be the longest Parramatta coach or like longest standing Parramatta coach in their history. So congratulations to him. He's had to wear a lot of criticism to get to this point. Uh, I spoke on last week's podcast. I said it's time to lay off Brad Arthur. Uh, But yet again, we're seeing more and more come out, mainly about his use of the interchange, which is a criticism that I do think is fair. So I'm not saying we have to totally uh, just let this guy get off scot-free, but I think as far as coaches who get a lot of unwarranted pressure, Brad Arthur is right up there. Now, in this game, the key battle for mine, uh, the halfback jersey. We've got Captain Daly Cherry Evans up against Mitchell Moses playing in game number 201. Now, Moses couldn't have done much more last weekend against the Sharks. He was involved in everything, tried to get his side over the line, uh, but it was not to be. Now, we know that halfbacks, they cop pretty much all the pressure. When they win, they're celebrated. When their side loses, they cop more criticism than anyone outside of probably the coach. So the halfbacks, always a key positional battle. And in this one, well, they are the stars of the show. It's basically their team. Now, they have other stars, like in the Seagulls lineup. You've got Tom Trebojevic. You've got Jake Trebojevic. Uh, Eels have guys like Dylan Brown, King Gutho, Micah Sivo. Uh, but in terms of who holds the keys to both of these outfits, it's the halfbacks. So key battle where this game could definitely be won and lost. Daily Cherry Evans up against Mitchell Moses. Uh, X-Factor Player is next. Now, if you haven't listened to the podcast, you should go through key battles, uh, X-Factor Players, and, of course, the point of difference. For the Seagulls, I don't think this needs much explanation. The X-Factor Player, Tom Trebojevic. If they can keep him on the park, well, there's nothing to suggest Seagulls can't be a top eight outfit. Even a top four outfit at their best. Right now, they're sitting first. So it's a pretty bloody good start to that. And I liked in round one how the Seagulls, their focal point wasn't Tom Trebojevic. A lot of other guys stood up and had their moments. Uh, probably no one more so than the captain, Daly Cherry Evans. So that alleviates some of the pressure for Tom Trebojevic to have to just get his hands dirty with everything. And the more the other guys around him can stand up, the better Tommy Turbo's going to go. So X-Factor player for Thursday night, I've got Tom Trebojevic. I think we all know why. We've seen what he can bring to the table. And if he's even like 70% at his best, that's still better than most players in the competition. So I'm liking what I'm seeing early from the Seagulls. And as far as my point of difference in this game, I've picked a player. Now, I don't always go a player for point of difference, but I've gone Haumoli Olikawatu in the back row. He'll be up against Bryce Cartwright, who's on the left edge for the Eels. Uh, but Olikawatu, this guy's so damaging. One of the best back rowers in the competition and uh, does play for Tonga, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how he kind of fits in the mix as far as the back row position for the New South Wales Blues come origin time especially if the Seagulls can maintain the form that they've started the year in. Pre-season challenge winners, round one winners, top of the table. You couldn't ask for a much better start if you're a fan of these flying 
bloody birds, the Eagles. They're all right. I like them. Uh, as a Warriors fan, I still remember 2011, uh, the grand final. So, like, I wouldn't give a shit if the Seagulls were running dead last right now. But it's good to see, especially with Anthony Seabold and everything he went through. And I think the competition's better when the Manly Seagulls are at their strongest. So, point of difference, I've gone Haumoli Alakawatu. When you take into account that Parramatta still don't have Ryan Matteson, they've lost Isaiah Papali'i, no Sean Lane, uh, so they're not rolling with the same back row that got them to the grand final last year. And then when I look in the back row for the Seagulls, I mean, Homole is just so damaging on both sides of the ball. And as far as a point of difference, if this game's close and they're looking for a big man to really break open the gates of the Parramatta defense, I think Olukawatu's that guy. So he's my point of difference head-to-head against Bryce Cartwright, who traditionally isn't the strongest defender, and that's a battle I'm very keen to see go down. Now, final thoughts on this game. It's a bit of a tricky one. I'm going the Seagulls, uh, but there is a feeling inside of me, because I'm going to put some money on the Seagulls, of course, uh, but there is kind of something in the back of my head saying, be careful, don't put too much money, because uh, I feel like the Eels are due a bounce back. Like, they're not going to want to go 0 3. They're going to go out there and give it absolutely everything. But just going back to the point about how they're using their interchange, that's a bit of a concern for mine, especially in a game like this. Seagulls are not going to give any points easily, and it's going to be a hard game. We know these sides don't like each other. This rivalry has been really strong for the last decade or so, and obviously it dates back before that. Uh, But there's been a lot of player movement between these two sides. And there's definitely a bit more beef between these two than most of the time when they come up against other Sydney clubs. So I'm expecting a hell of a physical contest. And if the Eels don't use their interchange and they've just got RCG and Paolo going into battle for like most of the game, I think they start to fatigue that opens the game up for all the stars on the Manly lineup, guys like Tom Trebojevic. Uh, obviously, the back line, you've got Tolu Kola, who's got pace to burn. Josh Schuster, very creative, getting his shot in the 5'8 jersey. There's a lot to like about Manly. Not so much so right now about the Eels. So I'm going to take the Sea Eagles about medium level of confidence. Confident enough to put my money on it, but not too confident put the house on it. So I'm going to take Manly Seagulls in our Thursday night game. Now let's get amongst the Friday action. Old McDonald's Jones Stadium, EIEIO. Early Friday game, 6pm. We have the 11th placed Newcastle Knights. Moving up in the world on the ladder after beating the Tigers. Uh, which not such an impressive feat, especially if you watched the game. But nonetheless, Newcastle getting wins on the board. That's all you can ask for. Their season still alive. Everyone's season still alive, but to different extents. So the eleventh placed Newcastle Knights against the second, the second placed Dolphins. The second placed Dolphins. This is huge. 
This is fucking huge. People saying Dolphins might be lucky to get three wins this year. They're two from two. Now, those are probably the biggest talking points uh, for Knights, Kalen Ponga, the whole thing around concussion. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone will continue to talk about it. And to be fair, it's a massive talking point. He's been moved into the front line of defense playing 5-8. And that's only increased his chances of being in the firing line and getting concussions. So yeah, it is concerning. It is a massive talking point. But I, I don't have the time to sit here and talk about it for ages, to be honest. Uh, he's concussed. What do I know about concussions from a medical standpoint uh, and like a scientific standpoint? Not much. I know the stock's standard, but like I'm not here to break it down for you and all the protocols. Because like, I, I don't know, the concussion stuff, it's a narrative, definitely. And it's a big talking point considering he is the Knights' marquee man and the amount of time he's missed due to concussion. Uh, but that's about all I have to say on it. Like, I'm happy to let this play out. I'm not happy to let it play out. Hopefully, for KP's sake, um, we see him come good and play as many games as possible. But, yeah, there's not much else I can say other than let's just see what happens. But huge loss for the Knights to lose literally your star player. And probably six weeks, I think they're saying. That is supposed to be the protocol. Uh, but as I said, I'm not too clued in as to what's going on around concussions and all all the things like that and how the NRL want to handle it. So we'll see how that plays out. But let's get to the Dolphins. Wayne Bennett and what he has done with this Dolphins side has been incredible. They surprised the Roosters in round one and they kind of got the jump on Sydney early and they maintained that through enthusiasm. But then it was a different kind of win in round two against the Raiders they were behind on the scoreboard, they had to deep, dig deep, and they really had to show some character and show kind of what the Dolphins are going to be about, not just this year, but in terms of their long-term future, what the standards are and what is expected from this club. It's been laid out very early on. We now know what the standards of this club are. If you aren't training the house down, if you aren't giving your absolute best, you're not going to make this team. This isn't a new franchise that are just going to put people in because they need anyone to play for them. Look at Anthony Milford. They're already making big calls. Isaiah Katoa steps in for Milford, and he provides the assist for the winning try against the Canberra Raiders. That winning try going to Hamaso Tabuai Fado. Now, interestingly, in the preseason, plenty of chat. Who's going to play fullback for the Dolphins? They didn't really have anyone that was standing out. Now they've got Hamaso Tabuai Fado, and yeah, this guy is out and out at fullback. No doubt about it. I'll be interested when Herbie Farnworth gets here uh, next season as to whether Hamaso keeps that spot. But Tabuai Fido, coming through the grades, he was a fullback. He actually started at fullback last year for the Cowboys. He just lost that position to Scott Drinkwater. And very early on, Dolphin number one, Hamaso Tabuai Fido, he's making that jersey his own. So I've been hugely impressed with the Dolphins, 2-0 to start the season. For the Knights, look, in round one, my side, the Warriors, we got over the top of them. I still thought Knights looked okay in that game. To be honest, they're one of my picks for the Spoon. Um, 
looking at things, I think they were my pick for the spoon, actually, because I didn't go the Dragons. Dolphins were one of the other teams I was looking at, potentially, for the spoon. Tell you what, they're making me look pretty silly now. So, big game early Friday night, Newcastle Knights hosting the Dolphins. Now, checking out team news, Jacob Saifiti out for the Knights, put a big hit on, uh, he's been suspended. Jaden Braley out, Kalen Ponga, and Tyson Frizzell. Those are all massive outs. Jacob Saifiti has played Origin. I know, did he? I'm fairly sure he played, because I know Daniel did, but I'm fucking pretty sure. Let me just, sorry to do this, let me just fact check myself right here, because my memory, not exactly my strongest point. Jacob Saifiti, yeah, he played one game last year. He scored a fucking try. There you go. So, Jacob Saifidi, an international player, as well as being an origin player, he's out. Jaden Braley, he's gone skis. Uh, one of the key parts of their spine. Another key part of their spine. And the most key piece of the puzzle in general for Newcastle, Kalen Ponga out. And not for just one week either. And then Tyson Frizzell, another origin player. So those are four really, really big ads for Newcastle. Uh, we see Leo Thompson. He's going to start at lock. Uh, Ryan Rivett, who's come over from the Sharks this year. He's a young half. He's going to take the number 14 jersey. So NRL debut for Ryan. Uh, congratulations to him. Dylan Lucas, a young centre, has also been named on the bench for the Knights. Uh, from memory, this will be his debut as well. Um, but I don't follow the Knights that closely. Like, sometimes, you know, they have one game in, like, round 21 or some shit, and it just kind of flies over my head. So I'm pretty sure it's Dylan Lucas. Uh, it's his debut in NRL as well. Could be wrong, though. Now, Brody Jones comes into the back row. Jack Hetherington starts. Phoenix Crossland is going to start at dummy half for the Knights. Uh, and in the halves, Jackson Hastings and Tyson Gamble. Plenty of talk around Jackson Hastings this week. Uh, I don't really need to get into that side of things. I will address the Tommy Talao incident probably when I get to the Tigers game. More of a Tigers thing than a Jackson Hastings thing right now. And Tyson Gamble. Look, I like this. I actually think Knights aren't going to lose too much. Kalen Ponga, obviously their star player, but he hasn't even completed a game yet this season. So... I mean, they need someone there for the full 80, and that's what Tyson Gamble is there for. He can play the full game. Not only is he going to play the full game, he's going to annoy the absolute fuck out of the opposition. Now, I love it. Uh, if he played against the Warriors in round one, and he was talking this kind of shit, I'd be like, you're a fuckwit, Tyson Gamble. But when he does it to other teams, it's hilarious. I love it. Like, when he was getting stuck into Adam Duhey last weekend, that's the kind of shit I just enjoy watching. It adds a lot to the game, and yeah, I love having a pest and a shit talker in any side. And Tyson Campbell, in the running for one of the biggest shit talkers in the NRL. Can we have that at the Dellingham Awards? If we do, I tell you what, Tyson Campbell, he'd, he'd have to be the betting favourite for shit talker of the year at the Dellingham's. But some big changes for the Knights. Only one change, or two, sorry, uh, for the Dolphins. We see Ray Stone come back onto the bench. That sees Mason Teague uh, drop to 18th man duties. And Jeremy Marshall King, he gets suspended for a hip drop tackle. So Cody Nicarima 
He's going to start in the number nine. Played in the Queensland Cup last weekend for the Capris. I'm fairly sure he started at fullback. So now he's gone from fullback into the number nine. He's played there for the Warriors. He's played there for the Broncos. He's even played there for the New Zealand Kiwis. So they're not going to lose too much. Uh, Jeremy Marshall King, obviously their first choice dummy half. But Knights don't have theirs either. Phoenix Crossland playing nine. Uh, and when I compare the pair, I think Nick Arima, more experienced playing the position. And as far as who I think offers more of a threat in attack, definitely Nick Arima. So both guys, or both teams rather, missing their dummy halves. But a lot more changes for the Knights than for the Dolphins. Now that's my point of difference as well. Our point of difference is the fact that Knights missing four of their best players. Now, they're going to be at home, and I do expect Knights to be a massive chance of getting the win here. Their underdogs at $2.31. i got to be real, I'm sizing them up at that price tag. But two weeks into the competition, and I'm already starting to learn. Don't doubt these Dolphins. You can't just write these Dolphins off, because we know that they're going to show up. So this is going to be a cracking game early Friday night, as far as the coaches Adam O'Brien, if he can get another win here, uh, that really starts to alleviate some pressure and he can really get into his work. And on the other side, Wayne Bennett. I mean, if there is any pressure, he's certainly not showing it. Uh, just continuing at like 70-something. How old is he? Like 170? I don't know. He's still doing what he does best. And once again, starting a team from scratch. From scratch. That's not easy. It's not like he's just walked in to a dragon side again that has already kind of been set up for him. It's not like he's heading over to a Rabbitoh side that are already there or thereabouts. He is once again having to start at the absolute foundation. And here we are. Dolphins two from two to start the season against the Roosters, one of the competition heavyweights. A lot of people's pick for the Premiership this year. And then, of course, the Raiders, who finished last year in unbelievable form. Both top eight sides, Dolphins getting it done over them. So now they go up against a side that aren't a top eight outfit. And if the Dolphins go three from three, I'm pretty sure I don't look at the draw too much. I'm pretty sure Broncos are next. Now, if Broncos and Dolphins are both three from three, holy shit. I mean, next weekend's game will be an absolute dream. I'm sure the NRL and the powers that be, low-key, just quietly, they'll be hoping uh, from a business standpoint that the Broncos and Dolphins are both undefeated when they match up next weekend. Now, key battle in this game. Uh, I've gone with the halfbacks, as I did in the Thursday night game. Jackson Hastings, he's been signed at the Knights to be that guy He's essentially been given the keys to this Knights outfit. And when you consider that Kalen Ponga is out, uh, that just adds more responsibility onto the shoulders of Hastings. Then there's no Jaden Braley as well. So half the spine is missing. That, more so than ever, means that Jackson Hastings is going to need to play a major role. A lot of the creativity is going to have to come from the number seven. And given that he's the halfback, his kicking game's going to have to be on point. His organization, 
Uh, there's a lot of things that are going to go into this game for Jackson Hastings that he's going to need to be all over. Throw in the fact that he's had a bit of a turbulent week. His name's been thrown up in the news. A talk about his attitude. Talk about the fact that he hasn't really been able to last at any club. A lot of clubs have moved him on, including the Tigers, after just one season. And now, I've never met Jackson Hastings. I've never been involved uh, in a team alongside him. Uh, last year, the Tigers contacted me. They tried to sign me. Uh, I was like, I'm not, I'm not interested. So I haven't played with him. Never even met the bloke. So I don't really have a side, whether I'm a Jackson Hastings fan or whether I think people are right in their criticisms of his character. I don't fucking know him. He could be the biggest fuckwit in the world or he could be the best bloke in the world. I don't know. So I didn't take too much from the interaction with Tommy Talau uh, last weekend. I just thought it was more a reflection of the Tigers vibe. The fact that for 80 minutes they just fucking were so lacklustre. And then the most heart, the most energy, the most enthusiasm I see from them is in the post-game when they're shoving Jackson Hastings and, like, getting in his face. That was a bit dramatic. They didn't really get in his face. But, yeah, that was the most fucking heart that I saw from the Tigers all day. So, yeah, big talking point. But the, let's get back to the key battle. Jackson Hastings up against Sean O'Sullivan. Now, on the flip side of Hastings for the Knights... Sean O'Sullivan of equal importance for the Dolphins. Um, now he's playing alongside Isaiah Katoa. And these two have actually known each other since they were kids. Grew up around the same area. So there's a pre-existing connection between these halves. And Sean O'Sullivan, despite not being a household name, despite up until this point never really being a consistent first grader week in, week out, he's the experienced halfback. He is now the guy for the Dolphins, especially when you consider they don't have any quote-unquote marquee players. Sean O'Sullivan, he's the guy with the keys. I've spoken about the keys a little bit, uh, but these halfbacks, they've all got the keys, you know? Someone's got to fucking drive this team. Uh, it's always the halfback's job, so that's why this is the key battle. I've loved what I've seen from Sean O'Sullivan so far, uh, and for the Knights... If they can get the win, Jackson Hastings, you can't tell me he will not play a pivotal role in that, especially given the losses that the Knights are facing. Now, X-Factor player would have been Kalen Ponga, uh, but obviously he's out. And I'll tell you, I'm going to go for a bit of a different X-Factor here, Felice Kafusi. Now, not typically what you'd think of X-Factor, but the Felice Kafusi we've come to know has just been so consistent. He's done his job uh, to the best of his ability. He's a representative player. Like, Kafusi, he's just super consistent. Always has a good game. I can't remember off the top of my head any time where Kafusi's had a shocking game. He just always shows up, goes about his work. But now, the Felice Kafusi of the Dolphins has just taken things to a totally new level. And again, when you talk about the Dolphins' lack of quote-unquote marquee players. Well, their first marquee signing was Felice Kafusi. He was the first big name that agreed to join the Dolphins. And fuck me, he's playing like a marquee player, rushing out of line, just smashing blokes. We saw what he did to Hudson Young 
on the weekend uh, and playing alongside Isaiah Katoa. He's playing that enforcer role, similar to a Tony Carroll alongside Darren Lockyer, and he's playing that enforcer role to perfection. So in a game where there's no standout player in terms of X-Factor, uh, Isaiah Katoa definitely has some X-Factor about him, uh, but in a game that I think could be decided uh, in the battle of the Ford Packs, my X-Factor is definitely Felice Kafusi. He has been in superb form to start the year. Now, final thoughts on this game. That's uh, a really tricky one. I honestly still don't really know which way I'm leaning. I, I think I'm going to go the Knights. And gee whiz, even saying that feels a little bit wrong. And Phoenix Crossland in number nine feels like a slap in the face. Like, wake up to yourself. Do not put your hard-earned money on the Knights in this game. But I think at home, I don't know. I don't know. I think the Dolphins, last weekend against the Raiders, they showed plenty to get back into the game. But I'm going to go with the Knights here. I think just because they're at home, Dolphins, I don't know, maybe I'm still doubting them. They've proven me wrong so far. I picked against them the first two rounds, and they're 2-0. So, yeah, take this with a grain of salt, but I'm going to take the Newcastle Knights. Uh, and in a game that I just find pretty hard to split, I think I'm just leaning towards that $2.31 price tag. So, yeah, I'm going to go the Newcastle Knights. Lots of outs. That's what concerns me, the fact that all four of their outs are of great significance. Um, but I guess I'm just going reverse psychology. Sometimes you think something's going to go one way, and you get surprised. So I'm going to tip a little bit of a surprise here. I'm going to take the Newcastle Knights over the Dolphins at home, and excited to watch. If Dolphins go three from three, well, there's going to be plenty to talk about on the weekend rap podcast, where I wrap up everything from round three. That should come out around Sunday or Monday, once all the games are completed. But taking the Knights over the Dolphins, and I'm going to move on before I change my pick, because fucking shit, I am just not confident whatsoever in the Knights. And I think we all know why. Knights, they're my pick for the wooden spoon. So I won't be surprised if they lose, but let's lock in Newcastle, and also let's lock in our Friday night game. And you're not going to get any more hatred and any more animosity between two teams in the competition than the oldest rivalry in rugby league. That is the Sydney Roosters and the South Sydney Rabbitohs at Allianz Stadium in Sydney. Roosters sitting ninth, dropping their first game of the season to the Dolphins and edging out the Warriors last weekend. As a Waz fan, to be honest, I thought the Roosters were very, very average. And, like, Warriors had some chances to win that game. We lost it for ourselves. I did see some people complain about the referee. Uh, when you're not at market, when we don't have a dummy half, essentially, when we're attacking the line to try and win the game, that that's where we lose. So, Warriors, we lost that ourselves. But the Roosters, sitting ninth, coming off a win but far from convincing to start the season. Up against the Rabbitohs, who started hot beating the Sharks, uh, but they were beaten by the Panthers for the majority of that game. Souths weren't in that contest. 
They did come back at the end, but it was a case of too little, too late. And now in round three, both these sides looking for a win to get themselves higher on the ladder, but also to get one up over their traditional rival, Roosters and Rabbitohs. What a fucking banging Friday night contest we have in store. Now, as far as talking points for the Roosters, Brandon Smith has been named, uh, although he had a rib injury or something like that. I would be very, very surprised if Brandon Smith ends up playing. I reckon we're going to see Jake Turpin start the game, uh, but who knows? Smith has been named. Main talking points, uh, James Tedesco has re-signed with the club. A little bit of a talking point going into this or over the last couple of weeks was Tedesco, Joseph Swali'i. Are they going to be able to coexist? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think there was really anything to those stories other than just trying to drum up a bit of, um, yeah, a few headlines, I guess. So Tedesco's re-signed, Joseph Swali'i, I think he's extended for a further year. So we can put that to bed for the time being. And that was the main talking point for the Roosters. They've also, uh, today or yesterday, signed Nathan Brown, effective immediately. Not of uh, Warriors, Knights and Dragons coaching fame, uh, but of Eels fame. And played for the Blues a couple of years ago before falling out of favour under Brad Arthur. So Roosters, that is a big signing. Nathan Brown, no doubt, going to be featuring for them this year. Other than that, the main talking point has really just been the lack of cohesion with the Roosters and their pretty average start, although I don't think anyone is reading too much into that. I think we all expect Roosters to be one of the major players at the business end of the year. But still, you don't want to, you know, have too bad a start. Of course, last year, Roosters started very averagely, and then toward the end of the season... They were probably the informed team of the competition. They were playing as good as anyone. They were on this huge winning run. Swali'i was killing it. Matt Lodge came over and added a fuck ton in the middle. Roosters were looking awesome at the end of last season. But because of their poor start, they were in the lower part of the eight. And week one of the finals, in one of the most chaotic games we've seen in a long time, Rabbitohs sent Roosters packing. So there's some recent history between these two sides. Last time they met, players getting sent off left, right, and center. Uh, Tane Milne. Tane Milne. Did he get sent off twice in that game? Uh, to be honest, at the time, I was we were watching that on our phone. Myself and my friend Declan. I was on holiday in Queensland. And to be honest, we were playing some FIFA. I was like, yeah, I mean, it is a finals game and stuff like that, but... I was in the zone, to be honest. I was like, let's play FIFA and chuck this up on the phone. Uh, but it was a heated, heated game. And I expect this one to be exactly the same. Now, as far as team changes, some big ins for the Roosters. Jared Wairia Hargreaves and Victor Radley back into the side. Uh, that'll see Nafahu White and Ben Thomas drop out of the side. Now, Brandon Smith, as I mentioned, he has been named in the number nine jersey. Uh, but I'm not expecting him to play. Based off what information, what inside info, absolutely none. Uh, but he did not look okay last weekend. For the Rabbitohs, some big ins for them as well. Uh, we see Hame Sally return to the side. 
And Tevita Totola, who went off very early in round one, he returns to the side as well. One of the most important staples of their Ford pack, Tevita Totola has become uh, in the last year or two. So now he's really a major player for the Rabbitohs. And a couple of years ago, my biggest concern for Souths was their Ford pack. And yeah, I think more so than any other Ford, we knew Cameron Murray was going to be great. We knew Kaloa Matangi uh, was a standout. But Tevita Totola was definitely one of those guys who stood up and took his game to the next level when the Rabbitohs needed him. So now he's gone from being a fringe first grader or being a regular first grader, but not really an integral member of this side, to being one of the absolute linchpins of this South Ford pack. Tevita Totola, big in for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Coaches, you've got Trent Robinson up against Jason Demetrio. And of course, last time they met, Jason Demetrio getting the better of Trent Robinson and sending the Roosters packing for season 2022. Now, key battle in this one. Well, there are key battles across the entire park. Uh, fullback, obviously a noted one, although not going directly head to head. James Tedesco up against Latrell Mitchell at Trellians. And this is going to be a fiery battle, but my key battle, I've gone the lock forwards. Victor Radley, who's back this week, and Cameron Murray, they are definitely both in the top five best locks in the world, in my opinion, and they offer different skill sets. I also think both of these two, alongside Isaiah Yo, are probably the most responsible after the change we've seen in the number 13 position over the last couple of years from essentially being another prop to now being a ball player, um, not being one of the bigger bodies on the field uh, and still defending in the middle and just adding a whole new element to what the lock forward position is all about. Now, Victor Radley, in my opinion, the best ball playing lock. And we've seen when he's on the field for the Roosters, which he does miss a chunk of time through injuries, suspensions and the like. But when Victor Radley's on the field, in terms of cohesion, Roosters look significantly better. Then you look at Cam Murray, who is like the heart and soul of this Rabbitohs outfit. Very different kind of lock forward. Yes, he's about that same kind of ball playing as well, uh, but I think defensively is probably where Cameron Murray is at his absolute best. Now, they're not really going directly head to head, but I think as far as a key battle, lock forward is my key in this one. I think whichever number 13 can really impose their will on this game, it's going to have a massive bearing on the eventual result. X-Factor player, uh, I've gone with Latrell Mitchell. Like I mentioned, Trellion Stadium. He's going up against his former team. And the Roosters fans have given Trell such a hard time. Not all of them, of course. But even they're saying the 15-year-old kid who racially abused him last weekend had a Roosters jersey on. And like, yeah, again, he's a 15-year-old kid, but he's not the only Roosters fan that has kind of made it very personal with their attacks on the Trail Mitchell. And honestly, like, if you're abusing players already, it's pretty small dick energy. But if you're, like, racially abusing them and they're a former player of your team, a fucking two-time premiership winner, the Trail contributed a hell of a lot to the Roosters. Yes, he left for their fiercest rivals, 
for an opportunity to play fullback, does that mean you should racially abuse him? No, absolutely not. And look, it is a minority, still a larger minority than I think people realize. So when I'm speaking about this, like I would say there's no one listening to this that's going out and racially abusing uh, players like Latrell Mitchell. But if you are, just like pull your fucking head in. It's a game of rugby league for fuck's sake. Like to bring people's race into it and to go that personal and just that low in general is fucking shite, let alone over a game of rugby league. Get your priorities in order, seriously. But like I said, uh, I don't think anyone listening to this has those views or is behaving that way. So we'll leave it at that. But my X Factor player is Latrell Mitchell. He's no doubt going to be fired up. You just know the Roosters fans are going to be giving it to him. And Trell, as always, he is the Rabbitohs X Factor player. So they're going to be looking for something special from Mitchell. And on the flip side of that, I believe a lot of the Roosters videotapes this week are going to be revolving around the Trell and how to essentially nullify his impact on the game. Because it is possible. We've seen Panthers really master that art of trying to take Luttrell out of the game. And when Luttrell doesn't have a presence within the game, the Rabbitohs tend to struggle a little bit. So I think Rooster's definitely going to be aiming up, trying to make it a tricky night for Luttrell. Uh, but if he gets going, he is my X-Factor player. And I think he has a lot of potential to cause the Roosters fans more headaches this weekend. As far as my point of difference, I've gone with cohesion here. Now, I think Victor Radley coming back in for the Roosters is a massive in. Uh, like I mentioned before, when Victor Radley plays that linking middle forward role, I think everything just gels significantly better in terms of the Roosters' attack and also their defensive structures. Uh, so their cohesion is going to be a lot better than it was against the Warriors. But when I say my point of difference is cohesion, that's more in favour of the Rabbitohs, to be honest. I believe out of every side in the NRL, I think the Rabbitohs are the closest knit bunch, if that makes sense. Like, it's pretty much the same team that we've seen qualifying for the finals every year. Uh, Adam Reynolds left last year. But other than that, like, most of these guys have been in South's colours for a while now. They're really clicking. And across the competition, you look at a lot of the changes. For the Panthers, they lost Arpy, they lost Kikau. Look at the Melbourne Storm and how significantly different they look. Even look at last year's grand finalists in the Eels, and it's almost a different team right now. Then you look across the league, lots of new coaches as well. Bulldogs have a new coach, Warriors, Tigers. Across the board, there are lots of changes within the competition, whilst for the Rabbitohs, they've kept everything almost the same. They've got the same coach, and so they have the combinations. They've played plenty of football together, and I think in what is going to be a super physical contest, I do think the Rabbitohs' cohesion and already pre-existing combinations, it's going to tip me in favour of the Rabbitohs here. And that's actually the way I'm going. I'm going to pick the Rabbitohs. This basically a flip of the coin. Roosters, I'm expecting to come out and have their best performance of the year so far. Um, I think they're going to look 
way better than they have to start the season. But I think Rabbitohs as well, they're going to be fired up. They left it too late against the Panthers last weekend, but they still showed plenty of signs. And like I said, they're a cohesive bunch. Looking at their team, there's no new signings, essentially. Like, Michael Cheekham didn't play much last year, uh, but he, he came over last year. But other than that, I mean, like, Alex Johnston, Luttrell, Campbell Graham, Cody Walker, Lachlan Ilias, Tevita Totola, Damian Cook, Tom Burgess, Colin uh Cameron Murray, Blake Taff, Hame Sele. These guys, they've been at the Rabbitohs for a while, so they understand how one another like to play the game. I think they've got their timing on point, and in a flip of a coin game, I'm going to roll with my point of difference here. I just think Souths have more familiarity. Although the Roosters, fairly established as well, they're pretty much just, you know, the same side they have been over the last couple of years. Obviously no Angus Crichton though. They've got the new dummy half in Brandon Smith. And also on the wing, Jackson Paolo coming up against his former club. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of spice there. But in a 50-50 game, there's really nothing in this. I, we just don't know what's going to happen until the game happens. That's how these derbies work. That's how these really fierce rivalries work. They're both going to be up for it. So it's not just who's going to be up for it, but who can actually execute their plays better. Comes down to cohesion for mine. I'm taking the South Sydney Rabbitohs over the Roosters. Now let's get amongst the Super Saturday action. You could easily confuse this Saturday's action for a former Wallabies outside back because it is going to be Adam Ashley Super this Saturday, kicking off at 3pm Seabus Super Stadium. I mean, Super seems to be the word this Saturday. On the Gold Coast, the 8th placed Gold Coast Titans reeling from a very poor showing up against the Dragons in Round 2, up against the 12th placed Melbourne Storm. You want to talk about poor showings. That was the worst I've seen the Storm look at Amy Park in a long time. I can't off the top of my head tell you a performance like that where they just gave up 26 points so quickly. The Bulldogs totally ambushed them. Yes, it's a new look Storm, uh, but that attitude and those efforts, they do not line up with what we've come to expect from this Melbourne Storm side. I'm expecting a massive bounce back this weekend, not just for the Storm, but the Gold Coast Titans. They have a bounce back of their own that they want to achieve, given how poorly they played in round two. So eighth place Titans up against the 12th place, injury ravaged Melbourne Storm outfit. Now, as far as talking points, uh, that's been the main talking point, the casualty ward for the Storm, no Cam Munster, they were missing Xavier Coates last weekend. Uh, no Ryan Pappenhausen for an extended amount of time. They've lost the Bromwich brothers. They've lost Felice Kafusi. They've lost Brandon Smith. And now they've lost Nelson Asofa Solomona for in uh, through injury until like round 10, I think it said. So Storm, they're in a pretty precarious posi uh, position. Fucking 
precarious position. They start with the same letter. I'm getting all my words mixed up. Anyway, this isn't about my words. This is about Super Saturday and the Titans hosting the storm. Now, looking at the team news, uh, Jojo Fafita and Sam Verrills are both out for the Gold Coast Titans. So we see Brian Kelly make a timely return from suspension. So Philip Sami moves to the wing and Chris Randall will occupy the dummy half position with Sam Verrills out. For the Storm, some big ins, some massive inclusions. Uh, we see Tarek Sims named on the bench to play his first game in Melbourne Colours. And Jonah Pizzette, very quality young half. He's been named in the number 14 jersey. Don't be surprised if they pull a late switch before kickoff. I expect we may see Jonah Pizzette start in the halves and Tyron Wishart revert back to that bench utility role. Another massive in for the Storm. Uh, we see Justin Olnum back in action. That is a huge inclusion. And Xavier Coates returning to the side as well. And Tui Kamikamika, uh, he is back. So some timely inclusions for the Storm. I think they'll be stronger for it. Uh, and for the Titans, they've lost a couple. So there are some team changes in this one. Uh, Storm... They look like such a different side now. It's well and truly a new era at Melbourne, and they definitely need a win here. Otherwise, there's going to start to be rumblings that Storm may have to settle for a place outside of the eight in 2023. Now, coaches, you've got Justin Holbrook, who he steadied the ship. There's not tons of pressure on him, but if the Titans continue to play as poorly as they did last season and last weekend... The pressure will surely intensify. And on the other side, Craig Bellamy in what very well may be his final season at the helm of the Melbourne Storm. Now, in this one, key battle. Look, there's some key battles all across the park, uh, but I've gone for the middlemen. The guys up front, uh, specifically the starting front rowers as well. For the Titans, Mo Fotoweka and Tino Fasuamalaawe a former Storm player, going head-to-head -head with Christian Welch and Tui Kamikamika, or Kamithamitha. I still need to... I need to go back. They did release a video of all the pronunciations, so I'll go back and get that one right. Uh, but Tui is a big in for the Storm. So my key battle, uh, it's definitely up front. And I think my point of difference here, it's got to be the effort areas. Now Storm, that was the biggest takeaway from their loss last weekend. Whilst for the Titans, defensively, that's been an issue for them dating back to last season. Uh, so my point of difference here, it's a point of difference rather, it's all going to come down to those little one percenters. Those things that maybe we don't necessarily recognize throughout the game, uh, but just who's really showing up in those effort areas. I think that's a big point of difference. And if the Storm can get it right, uh, unlike they failed to do last weekend, then I, I, like I said, I just think they're in for a really big bounce back. Now, X-Factor player, I've gone for Jerome Hughes with no Ryan Pappenhausen uh, and no Cameron Munster. There's going to be added weight onto the shoulders of Jerome Hughes, and he definitely has that X-Factor about him, forming a nice combination as well uh, with Eli Katoa playing on that right edge. Now, Eli Katoa is in my Supercoach draft side. People keep sending me offers. I'm not interested. Ali Katoa, I think he's in for a really big season 
and Jerome Hughes, he's my X-Factor player for this contest. Now, pretty short preview for this one. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about this game. I'm just really keen to see how both sides show up. And I tell you what, Titans are certainly capable of coming out and surprising the Storm, just like the Bulldogs did last weekend. So I think this is a real danger game, uh, but I am going to go the Melbourne Storm. I just think they're going to have had a week from hell as far as their training. Craig Bellamy, he would have been filthy. He would have been filthy. Like, I haven't seen such an insipid performance at Amy Park from this Storm side ever, I don't think. At least in the time I've been living in Melbourne, which is nearly 10 years now, that that was just something I've never seen, what the Bulldogs did to them. So Storm, they are going to be fired up. And I tell you what, if they come out and play like they did last weekend, then all of a sudden alarm bells are going to start to ring. I'm taking the Storm though. Titans, I like their side. They're definitely capable of getting the upset here. But I'm putting it down to the bounce back factor. Storm with just an uncharacteristically awful performance last weekend. I think they're going to come and make it right this weekend. So I'm going to go the Melbourne Storm over the Gold Coast Titans. I think they're going to win. And I think there's even potential uh, that they win well. Potentially a 13 plus scoreline. But like I said, this is a danger game. I don't think I'm going to bet on this because I won't be shocked if the Titans come out, race out to an early lead and are able to hold on to that. But I'm going to go with the safer bet here. Melbourne Storm over the Titans. Now let's see what we've got up next. p.m. this Saturday, it is going to be the 13th placed. The 13th placed. Fucking hell. North Queensland Cowboys at home. Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville up against my guys. My motherfucking guys. Finally, I feel a bit of pride in supporting this side again. Now, last weekend, the loss against the Roosters, we fucked it up for ourselves. No dummy half in a crucial time and Dylan Walker knocking it on in an equally as crucial point in the game. The seventh placed mighty one New Zealand Warriors. They travel to Townsville. It is going to be a tough game. Humid conditions. Absolutely going to favor the home side. Uh, But Warriors are my boys. So I will preface this preview by saying I'm a Warriors supporter. So... There's going to be a little bit of a Warriors-leaning take in this game. Now, Cowboys last weekend, they lost to the Broncos. Broncos looked the far better side. And coming out of that game, no Scott Drinkwater now for a couple of weeks. And no Hiku. On the other side of that, Warriors coming off a disappointing loss against the Roosters. Uh, But defensively, and also just in terms of our mentality... I saw some signs from the Warriors that this is a resilient outfit. And that is definitely a trait that we have been severely lacking for like a decade now. Over a decade. So really happy to see certain signs from the Warriors in that game. Uh, But then we also saw some classic Warrior-isms. Like having no dummy half at a super crucial 
potentially game-winning uh, point in the contest. So both sides coming off a loss, they're going to be looking to right some wrongs. Uh, biggest talking points uh, are the, the losses for these sides, both without their first-choice fullbacks, uh, Scott Drinkwater out, and Charles Nicole Klukstad out uh, through concussion protocols. Now, looking at the team changes, as I mentioned, no drink water, no hiku uh, for the Cowboys. So we see Gahamut Shibasaki, former Knight and former Bronco. Uh, he lines up in the centers. And at fullback, Tom Chester. Now, interestingly enough, on the other side, we have a debutante fullback for the Warriors, Tane Tuapiki. And if you've been following not just the sports report on Instagram, uh, you'd be aware of the One to Watch series that I posted for 2023. I picked one young player from every club uh, to keep an eye on this season. Both of them playing fullback this weekend. For the Cowboys, my one to watch this year was Tom Chester. I think with the departure of the Hammer, that opens up a position for Tom Chester to get some experience in first grade. And this kid is a remarkable talent. On the flip side of that, Tane Tuapiki, as a Warriors fan, I really do think long-term, this kid could be our fullback for the next decade. Now, what he lacks in size, he more than makes up for in heart, skill, pace, try-scoring ability, as well as having some really great playmaking skills for a young fullback. So, two ones to watch getting a crack in the fullback jersey this weekend, and I tell you what, that excites me a lot. Now, looking at some of the changes for the Warriors, no CMK uh, and no Jackson Ford, who's also out with concussion. That will see Mitchell Barnett move from the front row into the back row. One of my favorite guys, Bunty Afoa, he starts in the front row and Bailey Sirinan joins the bench. So there are some key changes, uh, especially in the spine. Two new fullbacks and two fullbacks that I'm very excited to watch this weekend. Now, coaches... Todd Payton, a former Warriors coach actually, and Andrew Webster. Uh, I rate both of them and I'm excited to see what their game plans are respectively uh, to try and shut the opposition down. Now my key battle in this one, uh, I've gone with the halfbacks. Chad Townsend, we know how important he is to this Cowboys side and we saw last year Townsend's arrival at the club was parallel with their rise up the ladder. They went from being one of the favorites from the wooden spoon to now heading into 2023 as one of the premiership favorites. Now that will definitely take a hit if Cowboys lose again this weekend, but I don't think people are really concerned right now about the Cowboys. Broncos looked awesome last weekend and they've looked awesome so far this season. And North Queensland, I think that was a bit of a kick up the backside and they are going to be coming here this weekend with a totally new headspace that they really need to start getting a move on. Then you have the Warriors, Sean Johnson the halfback. When we're going well, a lot of people, we get around Sean Johnson, uh, but when the Warriors are not going well, which we haven't for a fucking long time, Sean Johnson, he also cops the criticism. So my key battle here is Chad Townsend, Sean Johnson. And as a Warriors fan, if SJ can really impose himself on this game, I genuinely believe that we are every chance of getting the upset here. 
Now, looking at the X Factor player, uh, look, there's X Factor all across the park for the Cowboys, but I've actually gone with Wade Egan from the Warriors. He scored a try in both games this year, and I've had raps on Wade Egan for quite a while now, dating back to his days in the under-20s at the Penrith Panthers. It finally seems like Wade's got the Ford pack now, doing what they need to do, which is allowing Wade to play what he plays best. Eyes up football, uh, darting out of dummy half, he knows how to find the line, and I think in a game like this where Warriors are going to need a little bit of pizzazz, I know Sean Johnson, Tamari Martin, uh, Tane Tuapiki, there are a few guys in this Warriors outfit uh, that can really provide that spark, but I honestly think our X factor in this one, it could very well come from the number nine in Wade Egan. As far as the point of difference, I believe the fact that it's in Townsville is a huge point of difference. I think Warriors are going to struggle with the humidity. Uh, we know that in Townsville, a lot harder to hold on to the ball. So I'm expecting Warriors to make some silly mistakes, some poor play the balls, uh, just classic Warriors things. And yeah, I think that's a major point of difference, as it always is when the Cowboys have a home game. As far as my thoughts on this, uh, if I wasn't a Warriors fan, I'd say Cowboys probably going to win this one convincingly. But I am a Warriors fan, and I'm going to back the Warriors here. I like them at $3, what are they? Or $2.88. I think they were $3 before, but $2.88. I like that price. I love the Warriors. And I believe we can beat the Cowboys. We beat them last year. From memory, Sean Johnson kicked a field goal to win us the game. And that was kind of before we saw the Cowboys really amp up and go on this massive run. So Cowboys deserved favourites, but I'm going the Warriors. And yes, this is totally because I support them. And you would know, when you support a side, even if they're not going that well, you can always see reasons as to why they could win. And I see reasons here, especially Tane to a peaky. I'm stoked to see him debut. When I found out that he was coming over to the club from the Burley Bears, uh, that excited me a lot. And watching his jersey presentation, you could see how much it meant to Tane. And it meant a lot to me to see a young fullback who he wanted to play for the Warriors. He chose to play for the Warriors. And this isn't throwing any shade, uh, but obviously we lost Reese Walsh, who in round two, he was my player of the round. Uh, but he didn't want to be in Warriors colours. He looks so much happier in Broncos colours. And it seems like Reese's heart belonged with the Broncos all along. So now to have a young fullback who genuinely wants to be a warrior, he spoke in his jersey presentation and Tuapiki said basically everyone outside of him and his family, they were saying, don't take this warrior's opportunity. There were other deals on the table. Everyone was saying, take this other deal, go somewhere else. Don't go to the warriors. And he said, Despite what everyone said, myself and my family, after speaking to Andrew Webster, they bought in to what Webster uh, was selling them as far as what Tane could be and what he could mean to this club. And seeing that jersey presentation, I tell you what, it fucking fires me up to see a young player, a young potential superstar that I am really keen on as far as the fullback jersey long term, to see how much it meant to him. And the fact that he turned back other opportunities to take up 
this role at the Warriors without any guarantee of getting a start in first grade. He's backed himself. Here he is getting the number one jersey. I am fucking so pumped for him. And for the first time in a long time, I'm genuinely pumped about the Warriors. Do I think we're going to make the eight this year? Look, I think there are probably 10 clubs I'd have in front of us that I think are more likely to qualify. But it's not so much just about 2023. Because for years now, we've had no long-term vision. It's been all short-term, and the short-term has been shit. Like, we've sucked, to be quite frank. And that's no disrespect to the players. It's just the general vibe of the Warriors. There's been such a negative kind of energy around the Warriors. Even in New Zealand, like, Kiwis would rather support the Eels, the Rabbitohs, all these other sides, than supporting their own homegrown team. So now, for the first time in a long time, it seems like we're turning corners. Are we going to be a force this year? I don't really think so, but it's more about what we're building toward. And for the first time in quite some time as well, other than when Todd Payton briefly took over, we have a coach that I'm confident in. Nathan Brown, respectfully, I was never confident in that. It never felt like, okay, this is the guy that can eventually lead us to a premiership. Uh, Andrew Webster, I feel like he's that guy. Now, are we going to win the premiership? History would suggest no, we've never done it. But we finally have a coach that I can confidently say, let's give him some time. And already in year one, everything I've heard from Andrew Webster in interviews and just in general has been really positive and it's been really encouraging. And I think it's reflected in their performances. Yes, we lost to the Roosters last weekend, uh, but the resilience on show was something I haven't seen from the Warriors in a long, long time, especially on a consistent basis. So I'm excited about the Warriors. Cowboys fans have all the more reason to be much more excited because for you guys, we're not talking about long-term and future right now although that looks equally as exciting. But 2023, the Cowboys are in their premiership window. They are going for the premiership right now. So Cowboys fans deservedly should be a lot more excited than Warriors fans as far as 2023. Uh, but fuck it. I'm going the upset. I think Warriors can get them. Uh, hopefully we don't get smashed. That would be sad. But the resilience on show from the Warriors. I like what I see. And I'm going to go Warriors, and I'm going to move on. Otherwise, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, eh, Cowboys, probably going to win. But up the fucking wires. Warriors over Cowboys. Let's lock it in, and let's get amongst our Saturday night game. Now, on to the Saturday night game. And this one, this one's a big one. We've got the fourth-placed Broncos, the third-placed Dragons, after winning their first and only game so far last weekend and looking a hell of a lot better than I think most people were hoping the Dragons would look. And I tell you what, I've been fired up recently by the Mad Dragons vodcast. I love the passion. I fucking... Anyone who goes all out for their team, especially when they're not going so well, uh, that's respect in my books. Like, as a Warriors fan, I know very well 
you just got to stick by your team. So I was happy for the Mad Dragons podcast guy uh, and happy for Dragons fans in general and happy for Anthony Griffin, who was under a mountain of pressure heading into this season. And this Saturday night's game has a little bit of uh, personal significance. The first ever game of rugby league that I watched that really actually got me into the sport uh, was the Broncos and the Dragons many, many moons ago. Uh, Mark Gaznia, he he was one of my first favorite players. So yeah, this was the first ever game I watched back in like 2002, uh, I believe. And then yeah, the year after started playing rugby league and loved it ever since. So now we fast forward over 20 years into the future, totally different outfits uh, with a totally different vibe. Now, back in the day, it was the Wayne Bennett's Broncos. Uh, I remember uh, one of my friends, Jonty, he now goes for the Warriors, but he was a Broncos man at the very start, loved his Broncos, loved Gordon Tellis and Corey Parker. Uh, and the Broncos of that era were just coming off one of the most powerful and emphatic runs and dynasties that rugby league has ever seen. Now, the best dynasty that rugby league has ever seen that I haven't seen personally, that was the Dragons, their opponents this weekend. So these are two clubs who have been at the absolute top of rugby league. They've been at the pinnacle and been powerhouses far greater than what the almighty Penrith Panthers are right now. Fast forward to 2023 and things are vastly different. Now, since I first started well, watching rugby league all the way back in 2002, um, they were powerful. Now, look at them. Only one premiership each in that time, both having more premierships than my beloved Warriors. Uh, but still, not what you'd expect. Broncos with the 2006 grand final win, nothing since, although they did qualify for the 2015 grand final. We all know what happened there. For the Dragons, 2010, and funnily enough, Wayne Bennett, the current Dolphins coach, he was the man that took both of these sides to their last premiership and their only premiership in my time personally watching the game. Now in 2023, Kevin Walters spearheads the Broncos and wow, Kevin Walters, a Broncos legend in his, all, uh, in his own right. I can't speak English. And six premierships, I'm pretty sure Kevy has, which is fucking unbelievable. Going into the season, so much pressure on both of these coaches. Anthony Griffin, of course, a former Broncos coach himself. So there are a lot of links between these two sides. Both of their fans, they want to see their sides winning premierships. That is what is, expe uh, what is expected. Fucking hell, I've had like two energy drinks uh, in between the previous. So as you can tell, I'm pretty amped up, so amped up uh, that my English is failing me. Kevin Walters, his Broncos, Anthony Griffin, his Dragons. Let's get to the current day. Let's get to round three rather than the history. And it's a whole brand new season. The Broncos, they are coming off the worst era in their history. Now, look, it's still early days. Let's not forget Newcastle Knights won their first two games last season. But the Broncos, fuck, it's looking very ominous. And Broncos, as I said, they are expected to be in contention for premierships every year. 
Now things are really starting to click. Their young guys have now become experienced players and they have a team full of superstars. That I guess was what made their downfall so shocking. And then now with Kevin Walters heading into the season, the Selwyn Cobbo podcast comments, obviously the Tyson Gamble podcast comments, and just being a Broncos legend, stepping into a role that nobody has been able to make their own other than Wayne Bennett. Many have tried, including Anthony Griffin, but nobody has been able to take the Broncos to the great heights that Wayne Bennett has. Now, two games in, Kevin Walters has Broncos sitting fourth, and they will remember the late season fade out. They went very well for three quarters of the season in 2022, but they faded badly. So it's a long, long season, uh, but Broncos fans and just neutral fans in general are starting to really get excited about what the Broncos can do. Now, talking points for this game, well, Broncos probably the biggest talking point as far as like where exactly do they sit in premiership calculations? Far too early to be speculating, but I mean, from before round one to now after round two, they're a lot closer to being a premiership outfit in my mind uh, than I gave them credit for in the preseason. Now, as far as the talking point for the Dragons, uh, a lot of people's pick for the wooden spoon, Anthony Griffin, uh, alongside Adam O'Brien, probably the most under pressure uh, for job security in 2023. And I said in last weekend's preview, if the Dragons couldn't respond to all the talk around them going into this year, then I was worried about them. Boy, did they respond. All the players showed up. You could see as well through their body language and the way that they celebrated each other's success through the game, uh, that they've really come together and they've united as a squad. I think a lot of the talk around the awards night and things like that, well, it may have been blown out of proportion. And the Dragons, well, they're keen to surprise a few people this season. Nothing would be as surprising than going to Suncorp this weekend and knocking off the red-hot Brisbane Broncos. Onto the teams now, and one of the huge talking points as well for the Dragons coming into this year uh, was the 5-8 position. Now, obviously, at the start of the year, Talatau Amon was under the NRL's uh, like stand-down policy, so he wasn't available. Now Amon's become available, uh, but Jaden Sullivan, a youngster who I've really backed to be like a quality first grader, hasn't really had that opportunity and I've been waiting and a lot of people uh, that are fans of the game have been waiting to really see Jaden Sullivan get that chance. He got the chance in round one mainly due to um, Amon being stood down and Sullivan really stood up. So uh, team news, he keeps the 5'8 jersey, Tyrell Sloan at fullback as well and I really hope both of them can have a massive season. Uh, last year things just didn't go to plan these two, alongside Talatau Amon and a guy like Toby Couchman and his twin brother, there are a lot of young guys in this squad uh, They can be very successful. Dragons can be a top eight side, and I'll be honest, I saw them as a bottom four side going into this year. I didn't think they'd get the spoon because they do still have some class, but yeah, the more I look at them, there's some real untapped potential with the Dragons. I think that's what's been frustrating. And their salary cap, it's kind of not balanced right. That's why they had to get rid of Tarek Sims. 
not because of his form, like he was playing outstanding, but just they were paying him heaps, Jack Bird, Ben Hunt, uh, Jack DeBellin, I'm pretty sure, is still in a fair whack. So the Dragons, like their salary cap and just the general vibe going into this year wasn't very promising. And it's only been one game, uh, but I was very impressed with what I saw. And Dragons, there's definitely a chance that these guys can stand up and qualify for the top eight. They're going to be backing themselves as well. And we'll get a very good read into exactly where St. George are at uh, Saturday night at Suncorp Stadium. So teams, I'm pretty sure Dragons are 1-17. to They're the same side that ran out last weekend. For the Broncos, Corey Oates is out with a broken jaw. And Jesse Arthurs, he steps on to the left wing, which is where he came in last weekend. Other than that, Broncos unchanged. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. They're two from two. In fact, neither of these sides has tasted defeat yet this season. Uh, so this is going to be a cracking way to get some Saturday night footy under our belts very early on in the year. As far as coaches, I've already kind of spoken about them. Kevin Walters, Anthony Griffin. No matter what, whoever comes away from this with a win, uh, that's going to be massive. Kevin Walters, if he gets another win, we can pretty much, I mean, at least for early stages and save criticism for the back end of the season where they failed last year. But like if Kevy goes 3-0 and to start the season, the narrative is no longer, is this guy a good coach? Do the players even want to play for Kevin Walters? It seems very apparent that these players want to play under Kevin Walters. And you've got to be pretty fucking good to beat the back-to-back premiers Penrith in Penrith and then back that up by beating the Cowboys, who were probably the next best side last season, even though they didn't qualify for the grand final. So Brisbane have made some major statements early. Dragons, well, they passed their only assignment last round against the Titans. Now they've got another Queensland side, uh, but a Queensland side in significantly better form. Now, key battle in this one, uh, let me have a look. I hadn't even thought of that. Oh, boom, right there. The captains, the halfbacks, Adam Reynolds, Ben Hunt. Uh, Both men probably play the most crucial role. Now, I know Carrigan, uh, he's a major part of the Broncos, so is Payne Haas. Uh, But Adam Reynolds, I think a lot of people agree that if Reynolds isn't on the park for the Broncos, that scales them right back in premiership calculations. And on the flip side of that, if Adam Reynolds is healthy and plays the majority of the season and gets through to the final series, that boosts Brisbane big time. Adam Reynolds can be the difference in a close grand final between a victory and a very, very upsetting defeat. So Adam Reynolds, the result basically lies on him. He's been brought over for that very reason to Brisbane because they haven't had that since Ben Hunt left. Funnily enough, that's another thing that ties into this game. Ben Hunt, former Bronco. Of course, there's a 2015 grand final that comes to mind. But now there's also the origin winning try that comes to mind with Ben Hunt. And I think kind of the storyline of this guy's not clutch or whatnot. And when he first came over to the Dragons on a million dollars, he was heavily criticized. Now, I mean, I don't think I could speak more highly of Ben Hunt and he's the Dragons guy. He's their X-Factor player. That makes this the key battle. Reynolds, the Broncos X-Factor player, alongside Reese Walsh as well. 
as a Warriors fan, devastating, but I mean, he was my player of the round in round two. I thought he was the best player across the whole competition, and it's starting to look scary as far as what the Broncos can do in 2023. Uh, point of difference in this one, uh, I just think hype. I think in Brisbane, especially given the way the Dolphins are going, I mean, if Dolphins win in the early Friday game and they're 3-0, then the hype for this game is going to be monumental. Because if Broncos can go 3-0, Broncos-Dolphins next weekend, it'll be fucking astronomical. So there's going to be a lot of hype on Saturday night. And just in general, Brisbane and the wider Queensland community is absolutely buzzing right now. So I think the point of difference is going to be a red-hot Suncorp crowd. And I'm going to take the Broncos, but I think Dragons are going to make a fair shake of this. I think they'll go a bit better than people expect, uh, but just the Broncos are riding a wave of momentum right now, and I think that's going to be enough to get them home. So I'm going to go the Brisbane Broncos. This is one of the games of the round, if not the game of the round, and it's a great way to spend a Saturday night. Foddling into that though, Saturday night leads into Sunday. Last Sunday, I don't know, were the NRL trying to punish us with the Tigers? A night's game? I don't know. But this Sunday, it's so much more promising. We've actually got some banger games, so now let's get amongst it. Okay, Sunday. First thing I want to say is I'm off the Tigers. Sorry, Tigers fans. Uh, last year, I kept saying they're going to bottom out. Um, I picked them to come last in 2022. Uh, every week, not every week, but they were my biggest cause for concern in 2022. And then going into this year, like, I want to see the Tigers go well. I think a lot of people do. Maybe not like Sydney teams that maybe have rivalries. Um, but like, I'm about ready to see the Tigers go well. There was definitely a stage like 2009, 2010, 2011 with like Benji Peak Benji, Peak Farah, uh, Chris Hyington was killing it at the time. Uh, there was, and like Chris Lawrence, you know, Chris Lawrence left centre, ended up playing Australian Kangaroos under Tim Sheens, even the great Liam Fulton. Like, there was a time where the Tigers, they were awesome. They were right in premiership contention, and they were playing a style that was different from the other big dogs. It was exciting. It was fun to watch. So... I'm about ready to see the Tigers succeed, and I was. In the first two rounds, I put my money on them. Not too much, obviously. I gamble responsibly and respectfully. Um, but, yeah, now I am... I'm just off the Tigers. Like, I wanted to get on board, and I watched the two games. Like, round one, I was already kind of off them in round one, because they played at Leichhardt, and they just got towed up uh, by the Titans. But then I was like, okay, well, they're playing the Knights. They get another go at it. Api is awesome. Isaiah Papali'i is awesome. Like, I rate the team. And Tim Sheens, Benji Marshall. It was exciting. Uh, but I've seen enough. I'm off the Tigers. Sorry to Tigers fans. I'm sure you guys are surely off them. Uh, good to see Junior Tupo named. I thought he should have started the season. Uh, but yeah, I really like Junior Tupo. And I think the Tigers need a little bit more of that to play the youngsters who are playing very well uh, in the lower grades and looked good 
in the preseason at stages over guys that just have the name because yeah names just mean nothing at the Tigers anymore uh, then there was the Tommy Talao Clemmer Jackson Hastings incident I saw Hastings like him and Clemmer ended up putting out like statements nothing major at all um and yeah I was going to talk about this but now I think I've just moved on I think it's time to move on but yeah it was a laugh it was a laugh as like a neutral fan to just be like wow Tigers you guys just played so shit I tipped you guys to win, you played so shit, and now you're getting angry at Jackson Hastings. And then there's all these things, like Hastings has had fallouts at different clubs, and there's all these rumours. So yeah, I'm just like, I'm just going to move on, who knows. Like, even if Jackson Hastings is like a massive dick, like, fuck, it would be super intense, you know, having all these people talking. And, like, imagine if Hastings... Like, he has changed. Because, yeah, he says all the right things, but there's kind of people who infer that he's one of those characters who will say the right things, but then behind closed doors and at training and things like that, and as an actual teammate, uh, it's a different story. But, yeah, I just think I'm about ready to move on. And, yeah, I think, I don't know. Well, Hastings, he does say all the right things, so I like him. Uh, Never met the bloke, never met Clemmer or Talao as well. So now let's move on to this game. Now, Bulldogs, last weekend, that was my moment of the round on the performance highlights. My rising star as well, Jacob Preston. So I was hugely impressed with what the Bulldogs did. I haven't seen any side do that to the Melbourne Storm. Although a very different Melbourne Storm outfit, to go to Amy Park and to do that, It really took me by surprise, and it definitely grabbed my attention. Funnily enough as well, Cameron Sereldo, coach of the Bulldogs, the Tigers were talking to him as well, so he weighed up which club is probably the better one of two clubs who have struggled but have potential. Sereldo, who was probably the most like sought-after coach on the market, he chose the Bulldogs over the Tigers, and yeah, now Tigers with Tim Sheens, Benji Marshall, I'm off them. They are 0-2. They sit last. There you go. Bulldogs only 14th, but like after last weekend, in my mind and in my heart, they are higher than 14th. Now, the NRL don't do my heart ladder, so they actually sit 14th, but in my mind and in my heart, Bulldogs sit way higher after what I saw last weekend. It was just because they went really poorly against the Seagulls in round one. So, yeah, we've seen two very contrasting results. Now they play the Tigers, and everyone, everyone expects Bulldogs to win this. So there's some pressure now that comes with that. Bulldogs haven't really had that for the last few years. Um, Leading from, like, post-Des Hasler into Dean Pay, and everything that's led up to now, even some fantastic interim coaching from Mick Potter. Uh, But now the Bulldogs, they're in a position where now there is pressure for them to win, especially against a side like the Tigers, who are going to be very fired up. Like, the perception of the Tigers now is that they should be beaten here. Um, But, yeah, they're going to be more fired up. So it's a danger game, because who the fuck knows what the Tigers are going to bring. But I am still off them. Now, team changes. Looks like Bulldogs are the same. Now, Jaden Ockenbohr, he ended up joining the bench last weekend. He's named in number 14 here. 
and Jacob Preston into the starting side, scored the first try last weekend, and that sees Raymond Fai Tyler Mariner move to lock forward. Now, a few changes for the Tigers. Dane Laurie injured, so Charlie Staines moves to his more preferred position at fullback, and that allows a really good young star in Junior Tupo uh, to come and line up on the wing. Stafford Toa is in the centres, uh, Tommy Talao obviously out, and I think those are the main changes. Asu Kapoa starts in the back row, David Klemmer up against his former side in the Bulldogs. Let's see if he argues with anyone here, fuck who knows. Uh, what else have we got? Coaches, I've already spoken about Seraldo. Uh, Tim Sheens and Benji Marshall, last time Tigers were any good, these two guys were instrumental in that. You've also got Robbie Farah, and they all played a role in the 2005 Premiership as well, so I just don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not off the players. I'm not off the fans. I'm not even off the coaches. I'm just off the Tigers. I guess the brand. They're sitting 17th, and yeah, I'm going Bulldogs. Now, there are key battles in this game. There are X-Factor players, and there are points of difference. But I'm just going to go the Bulldogs. Like, it's that plain and simple. I think it's pretty easy for me. And, hey, hopefully the Tigers surprise me. Like, I'm not a Bulldogs fan. I'd love to see both these uh, sides go well. And if the Tigers win, I'll give them full credit uh, when I next speak about them. But I'm going Bulldogs for sure. My point of difference is that this is at Belmore, uh, which is the biggest point of difference. So Tigers... They failed to do anything with their two games pretty much handed to them at Leichhardt. Everyone, even the NRL, they were just like, come on, let's get this shit going. Now they have to go to Belmore, and the Bulldogs are the ones who are starting to get going. So point of difference is going to be the Belmore crowd. I'm going Bulldogs, and yeah, that's all there is to it. I'm off the Tigers until further notice. Prove me wrong, West Tigers. Until then, I'm off you. And I'm on the Bulldogs. I like what I see. Canterbury Bulldogs over the West Tigers. Now let's get in to the final game of round three. Okay, this game was making my head hurt, this last one. Uh, Sunday, 6.15, GIO Stadium, Canberra. My second team, the 15th place Raiders. I'm also kind of off them after what I've seen, uh, but there are some personal omens going into this weekend for a big family event on my dad's side, which is the Canberra side, the Raiders side, uh, with my grandparents immigrated from Poland uh, around the time of the war. They came to Canberra and the Raiders are the family team, no doubt. Now I was born in New Zealand, hence why the Warriors are the number one team but this weekend, the first time in my life, uh, that whole side, the Canberra Raiders side of the family, are going to be in Melbourne for a big event. So there's a big Canberra Raiders feeling in the air. Now, from what I've seen this season, from the actual Canberra Raiders, has been shite. I have not enjoyed it. Uh, but before I start, I'm going the Raiders this weekend. But full disclosure, I flipped a coin. Because I was going to go the Sharks. I thought the Sharks would win. But then I was like, wow, there are many omens this weekend. And I, I'm considering going down the omen path. And I'm also, because I haven't liked what I've seen from the Raiders in the first two rounds, 
that was leaning me toward the sharks. But sometimes you, you just have to forget about what you've seen and the patterns that have formed. And you've got to think about what's actually ahead this weekend. Now, Canberra at home, uh, I flipped a coin. I'm going for the Raiders. But let's get into this game, shall we? So 15th place Raiders. Now, in round one, uh, they just weren't, weren't good enough at the start of the game up against the Cowboys. They came back, then they lost. That was, that was okay. But then against the Dolphins, they, they just weren't up to scratch. I haven't enjoyed what I've seen from the Raiders so far. So they sit 15th, and they're definitely not looking like a top 8 outfit right now. Um, so, the Sharks, on the other hand. Braden Trindle playing the house down, and he's just holding the spot for Nico Hines, the current best player in the game, if you want to look as far back as last year's Delium medal ceremony. Now, Sharks, they're still one of my premiership favourites. I believe they are in with a huge chance. And last weekend, they got things started. A hat-trick to Will Kennedy against the Eels. That was a big game because one of those sides were going to go 0-2. It was not the Sharks. And now, at 1-1, they want to get their winning side on the positive ledger. Now, one all, they want to go 2-1 and not 1-2. The numbers, I shouldn't have had those two energy drinks. I'm talking a bunch of shit. So let's just get on to the team list, shall we? Arta Mariota, he's out, uh, but Trey Mooney, he's in on the bench. Fucking rate Trey Mooney. I was actually in Canberra for his first grade debut, and he's one I've been watching for a while. There are a few young Raiders uh, that I've been watching for quite a while. Albert Hopawade, Matt Tomoko, uh, Harley Smith-Shields. Let me just have a look-see. Uh, Trey Mooney. Trey Mooney as well, big time. I think he's a huge part of the Raiders' future. And Xavier Savage, he's injured, uh, but he was one I've been watching for a while as well. So Raiders, I actually was hoping they were going to have a huge season this year. It's still early, but yeah, I haven't liked what I've seen so far. For the Sharks, they look like they're the same. Uh, no changes that I can notice, although uh, Jack Williams looks like he's back on the bench. Connor Tracy to 18th man. Coaches, you've got Ricky Stewart, who actually coached the Sharks at one point, and for Cronulla, you've got Craig Fitzgibbon, who actually played under Ricky at the Roosters, won a premiership, so yeah, there's a lot of things in these rugby league games that start tying into each other the more you watch. Now, GIO Stadium in Canberra, it's going to be cold, it's not a fun place to play, but Fitzgibbon, you know he's going to have his guys up for the occasion. For Ricky Stewart, he's such a wild card. And look, I love Ricky, especially the work he does off the field is incredible. Like with his foundation and everything like that, like Ricky's a fucking good man. And I haven't met him, but I can say Ricky's a fucking good man. And I know he cops a lot of shit, uh, but I love Ricky. He actually went to the same school as my dad, around similar age. So there you go. Omens. Uh, Ricky Stewart. But yeah, I'm getting off track. Uh, key battle in this one. I've got Jack Whiten up against Matt Moylan. Now, Matt Moylan had his best season in a long time last year, uh, but it's been a while since we've seen that Matt Moylan magic that we know he can produce. I know he's getting a little bit older, uh, but some Matt Moylan magic could definitely get Sharks over the line here. And for the Raiders, Jack Whiten's been trying his heart out, uh, but 
Yeah, I think everyone else needs to lift so that Jack Whiten can do his thing. And the absence of Nico Hines really does open the door for Jack Whiten to have one of his great games and get the Raiders their first win of the season. Because if they go 0-3, I'm starting to lose faith pretty quickly. Going into this year, I really thought they could be a dark horse and there's still heaps of time. Uh, but 0-3, starts are important. It is a long season, but all games really are equal throughout the season. They're all for two competition points. And this one's a major one. To go 0-3, the start, like Raiders aren't one of the competition heavyweights, so they can't really afford to have a poor start like maybe the Roosters or the Storm or other sides can have a bit more leniency to start poorly and get things right over the season. Raiders, they're not one of those sides. They need to get going quickly. Uh, otherwise, could be a shitty season. But Warriors are my first team, first and foremost. So I'm liking where the Warriors are going. It's been probably never. There's never really been a time other than maybe like one odd year where the Raiders and the Warriors have both been killing it. So come on, Raiders. Come on, Warriors. Can you guys kill it, please? Uh, what else have we got? X-Factor player. Now, probably Jack Whiten, who I just mentioned, uh, but I'm going to go Joseph Tarpanay. Now, without Josh Papali'i, this is going to be a big battle in the middle. Toby Rudolph, you've got like Dale Finucane, Cameron McInnes, Royce Hunt, Oregon Kafusi, Jack Williams. Like, Sharks have a lot of power up front, and Raiders are going to need to match that. I can't speak English still. Now, Emre Gula, Horsburgh, um, Pasami Salo, they all have a role to play, but the X factor in this Ford pack, I'm going Joseph Tarpanay, and I think he needs to get his second phase footy going, get the offloads, as well as getting the meters, but Raiders, they're lacking a bit creativity, uh, creatively, they look very stifled, and like last weekend against the Dolphins, they just looked lost in stages of the game where they absolutely could have taken the contest by the scruff of the neck and gotten the W. So Raiders, they need to get things going. Second phase footy is how I think they can do it, but they just can't be doing classic Raiders things like doing offloads and then dropping it and doing silly knock-ons. Gotta hold the ball, gotta complete. That's basically a note for every game, every week. Like you just gotta hold the ball and complete, but that is absolutely crucial to the Raiders chances here. Uh, point of difference, that's probably it. Whoever holds the ball has higher completions and has less errors and gives away less penalties. I know this is very cliche, but that's the point of difference. Whoever can execute that better, probably going to win the right game, right? Uh, but obviously, I don't live in the future, so I don't know how the game's actually going to go. Hence why I just flipped the coin. Was it the omen following the path and getting around the Raiders on a big weekend? Or was it going for the logical option, following my brain and going for the Sharks? I let a 10 cent coin decide and the coin told me, back the Raiders. So I'm going to take the Raiders over the Sharks. And with that being said, that was the preview for the round. Panthers with the bye, uh, so they're going to rest up. And that's, that's a pretty scary proposition. Instantly freshen themselves up and get ready to go for that three-peat. Uh, that was all eight games. I will be doing a weekend rap podcast this weekend, uh, so I'll cover all the action. 
I talked a bit of shit today. I think the energy drinks really uh, fucking hit me for six. But look, I just won't do that for the weekend wrap. So stay tuned for that. If you enjoyed today's podcast, follow us on Instagram. If you want, you know, please, all those kind of things. Um, at not just a sports report or don't do whatever you like, you know, but if you want, you can tune in this weekend for the weekend rap podcast. Hopefully I'm speaking about a Warriors win over the Cowboys. I'd love that. And I'm sure I'll be speaking about the impending Broncos and Dolphins contest and how they went on the weekend. Thanks for listening. That has been all for today. Hopefully you enjoy your weekend. And as long as you don't go for the Cowboys, hopefully your team gets up. 